I love art, I love cars, I love motorcycles, and I want to combine all of those to make functional art. I don't see much use in art that just hangs on a wall. It makes your home look pleasing, you know, it's fun to, it, it's, it's nice to look at, but you really can't use it for anything, you can't do anything with it. You can't show it to people unless they come over to your house. Whereas when you make something that's mobile, usable, everybody can see it. All you gotta do is ride it down the street. My goal was to just create something that you could use. My name is Kobappi and I build board track racers. Board Track Racer is a style of motorcycle that was uh, started at the uh, turn of the century. Um, basically they were bikes that were used to be raced on oval wooden tracks. They started off as basically bicycle frames with giant engines in them and they kind of evolved into what is known as flat track racing today. Initially the bikes had pedals just like a bicycle and that was used to start the bike. So you would put the bike on a kickstand and you would sit on the bike and you would basically just pedal like crazy until the engine kicked over and the engine like fired up. And then once you, know, once you got it running you could just drive it like a motorcycle. So as time progressed um, they, they kind of lost that, you know, like a lot of the racers just had like a direct chain drive with no clutch. So there would be like three guys behind them, running like crazy, like pushing on them to get the bike started. And because of that, they no longer needed the pedals, but they kept the pedals in that offset position because that's what they were comfortable with. Like that's what they had grown up with and that's just what felt natural to them. So you had these offset pedals um, that were eventually affixed to the frame. Handlebars are, are real low because basically what the racers would do is they had a um, like a, a pillow on top of the gas tank, and once they got up to speed, once they got the bike running properly, um, because back in the day you had to adjust the left hand would adjust the timing of the bike and the right hand was the throttle, so you would adjust the timing and the throttle, and then you would basically just set them to where they needed to be, and then you would put your hands on the handlebar and you would lay on this pillow and put your chin on the gas tank for um, wind resistance to cut down on that. The less wind resistance and the lighter the rider and the lighter the bike, the better chances you have at winning. So the guys that raced were real tiny. You know, they were like between like 5'4 and 5'8, 120, 135 pounds, somewhere in there to keep weight down. Sounds like a horse jockey. Yeah, basically that's what it was. It was just like horse jockeys on motorcycles. 
I, I took a lot of drawings, or not necessarily drawings, but I looked at a lot of photos from different companies like Indian, Pope, Merkel, Excelsior. I mean, there was over a hundred manufacturers at the, you know, around 1920 or so. And I took all these different elements and I kind of like combined what I liked from each one of those bikes into one bike to create my own. Because whenever you try to copy something directly, it always looks like a copy. No matter what you do, there's always some sort of flaw. You know, you can pick out what's not right about it. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start from scratch. I'm going to I'm going to basically pretend that I, you know, lived back in 1926 and I was starting my own motorcycle company. And this is what my bikes would look like back then. teach myself everything. I got a couple friends who are like, you know, certified welders. So I kind of watched what they did. I watched a lot of videos on YouTube just to kind of see like how it was done basically. And I started just messing around on like scrap pieces of metal and whatnot. And um, yeah, so that's how it started. So once you kind of figure out like how much heat you need, how to hold the gun, and how fast to move the gun, it's pretty easy after that, you know, and it, it just kind of like depends upon the thickness of the metal, you know, and it's just, it's a learning curve, but it's not impossible, like, I, I could probably teach anyone how to do it, because I had such a hard time learning how to do it myself. I took a bunch of different drawings, and from those drawings I took measurements, and I actually got this book here, and if you, I mean, I've got sticky notes, like, all through this book, of just, like, different visual cues and different technical notes that I needed to create this bike. Like, building a bike like this is finding things that will work for what you need. So, you know, there's a whole section in here on engines, and it tells you um, basically like how large the engines were, what kind of power output they had, um, like the RPM range. So I had to find an engine that had the same specifications or similar to the original bikes. And I actually ended up finding a Briggs & Stratton tractor engine that basically fulfilled all those needs. I could have used a motorcycle engine, but to do that, it wouldn't be the same. It doesn't have the same sort of sound and the same sort of feel as a like a tractor engine does something raw something that doesn't belong there necessarily and in fact a lot of a lot of the motorcycles from the teens and 20s during world war ii got converted to tractors or water pumps or farm machinery so it kind of makes sense to start with something that that's intended for you know kind of work backwards in a sense started with a one-to-one -one scale drawing on butcher paper. You know, like I measured out the size of the wheels that I was going to use and then just kind of like 
worked from there, kind of like worked out, outwards in, basically, from, from end to end to the center. And then after that, I um, cut all my tubing and just kind of laid it out on my kitchen floor to see how that worked. And it, I, it visually, it looked right. So then from there, I started tacking it together and fitting all the pieces together. And I tacked it all together myself. When you tack weld something, it's basically just welding it together temporarily. Like you don't fully weld around all the tubing, you just kind of like hold it in place. It's like putting masking tape on it, basically. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna build this one and then I'm just gonna use the money from this one. You know, so you build this one, sell it, use the money from this one to build what I really want. So I ended up, you know, getting it together, testing it to make sure everything worked. And I rode it around all summer basically on the street without any tags or any license or anything. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, I got I got stopped by a cop of, you know, a couple different cops and they were like, this is cool, man. Uh, I know you don't have any plates or anything for it, just get it home, I don't ever want to see it again, but it's cool. So I never got in actually like any trouble for it, because they thought it was so cool. But I still like, took a chance doing that. I, I do it for me. I do it for me because I can't do it for anybody else, I don't have enough time. This bike took me 11 months to make, and that was literally working 4 to 5 days a week four to five hours a day after work. So I was putting in some long hours, you know, I would come home from work and just immediately start working on this bike until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And that that can really like tear your life up doing that, you know, like I had a lot of issues with my girlfriend, like making, trying to make time for everything that's important to me, you know. So I don't think I could make another one on commission. I might, I, I will probably do another one. I mean, I'm working on another one right now, but I'm probably going to do another one after that. You don't see yourself stopping anytime soon? No, I don't think so. I don't think I could. I mean, it's, it's a creative outlet for me. part about it is when people come up to you and they go, what year is that? How old is that? Does that thing still run? Like that's the best part because people think it's real and then you get to talk to them and you get to explain things to them and then they get really excited about it, you know, because it's something that they hadn't thought about but it inspires them and that's why I do it because I like to inspire people. I like to make people creative. I like 
I like when people who think they aren't creative become creative because everybody has some sort of creativity in them and I think everybody needs an outlet for that. And I think the world would be a much better place if we could, if we could just make things look better. It doesn't take that much more effort to make something look better and function better as well. Because